1: That's BlueNile.com.
0: This is the best of Room 104. Phone and text lines are now closed. Any call or text you make will not count, but you
2: may still be charged.
0: FM 104.
2: Yeah, my full-time gig at the time when I first started it, I was working as a surveyor, a building surveyor. So I was doing it part-time. Um, But now, yeah, i about three years into doing it, three, about three and a half years into doing it, I took the decision that, you know what, if I'm going to really take it to the next level, I need to take that plunge, kind of come out of the comfort zone of getting wages from my other job and just go for it. You know, it didn't go down well with a wife and things like that. I was like, I've got, I've, got to, I've got to go for it. You know what I mean? It's, you know, because I was like, I don't want to be just sort of halfway house where, you know, you're kind of half in, half out. I really want to give this... You know justify it with with giving it all of my time so um yeah i went for it then it's my full-time job now yeah
3: i'd love to know the script you used for the wife because i've had so many you know half (laughs) conversations about that where you're pitching in i know exactly what's going on in your head like i've been there so many times you have to be 100 percent in on an idea otherwise as you said it's just not going to take off and you're not going to be churning out the content and churning out the work and Oh, increase in the production but she's obviously looking at you going you have a steady job which is a good job and you're going to throw all of that away because you hate
2: me that's probably something that went on in her mind <laughs> but, but, yeah,
3: but I just yeah, wonder. I, I, remember, uh,
2: I remember that pitch not going too well you know what I mean but um, <laughs> sometimes you've got a uh, I just believe that sometimes you've got to come out of your comfort zone a bit. And um, that is where I'd reached. I'd reached that stage where, you know, it's going okay. And I'm, you know, I'm getting, you know, wages there. But I'm just like, how how am I going to know if t- the full potential of this if I don't give it all my time? Because I was already, as well, my job was already suffering. I was doing little things like, because of working as a building surveyor, you're on the road a lot. So you get right. to, I used to be, look after a load of properties all around London. So I'd be sometimes when i'm supposed to be at because i worked as a, what they call a project surveyors so i looked after building projects so sometimes when i'm supposed to be at a project i'll be outside the emirates doing a video and then quickly Get over to that project. I mean, uh, what I did is I never, I never made sure that my my work never fell behind. Right. And sometimes yeah. I'd have to put in some extra hours just to catch up the time because uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I was elsewhere. But they didn't Jeez, know well, that. Well, it's at definitely the time.
4: paid off with a hun- wh- 1.15 million subscribers.
2: Yeah, it's been amazing the rise, the the subscribers, the the you know. I I always go off the amount of views. To me, sub- subscribers are a bit of a vanity thing you know everybody's like oh he's got a million subscribers but to me the most important thing is how many people actually watches it and um across all of our platforms i mean last month we did about over 40 million views so it's incredible i mean one we did like a watch along for the fa cup final we had like 1.2 million people watching that which was incredible so that's that's what i go off i'm always like you know concentrate on people watching the actual content and um yeah it's been it's been it's gone very very well
3: some of there's some great videos up on your channel and some kind of highlight reels, but obviously outside football clubs, it's a passionate place. And, you know, the fans that you're interviewing are really, as you said, passionate and you're giving them a voice. But what are some of the, like, craziest things that have happened to you amongst the fans when you're getting their, 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 their reaction? Because I imagine sometimes it's just, it's just <laughs> ca-
2: passionately chaotic. Yeah, it can be, it can be mayhem. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, it was, particularly tough sometimes when towards the end of the reign of Arsene Wenger because, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of fans absolutely loved Arsene Wenger, but then there was a lot of fans who kind of turned on him as well so that was tough because, you know, you get, (laughs) I'd sometimes be right in the middle of it, so I'd have some fans criticising me saying, you know, how are you having a go at such a great man, you know, why are you allowing these people to come on and say these things, and then I'd have, on the other side now, you'd have other people saying, well, listen, you're you know, you're not going in enough at this manager and stuff like yeah, that so i was yeah. i was like i was caught in the middle but that arsene wenger sort of reign which he was a great great manager but towards the end it kind of reminded me of like what you're seeing over in america at the moment the republicans and the democrats <laughs> 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 and did he ever
4: like... get in touch with you
2: <laughs> sorry
4: did he ever get in touch with
2: you with arsene wenger no 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 never got in contact um I've met him before I met him a couple of times and um, he was a very nice guy actually and I really do admire him and I think he was a great manager I do think he did stay on too long in the end but I still got a lot of respect for him because he, he gave me possibly the greatest times as an Arsenal fan the Invincibles and the fantastic teams that he put together it was just that in the end he stayed on a bit too long and you know we were a, we're a platform where we allow fans to have their honest opinions and I suppose we, we came along with we are very different because we're the first platform to kind of allow that so yeah there's some fans even your own fans that don't like that they'll be like oh we we shouldn't have our own opinions out there in public and i'm like well hold on a minute (laughs) we're not the only social media platform there's lots of others and everybody else is criticizing as well it's just that we just became so big but um, i can imagine
4: players and managers will be interested in seeing what the fans really thought
2: yeah i know listen i've spoken to a couple of players even some of the ones that are playing now and um there's a lot of them that love what we do there's a couple of them that probably don't like what we do but i think that you know, in speaking to a couple of the the players at Arsenal, some of them have said to me, listen, we know that when you say we're playing rubbish, it's probably because we are, right? So, But then we know you guys praise us when we're playing well. And um, they, you know, they don't mind it. There's a couple who don't like it, I think. But I think on the whole, you know, the majority of those players... They understand that we're, you know, we're Arsenal fans and we're also a platform that gives Arsenal fans a chance to have their say. For
3: you then over the last number of years, what has been kind of the highlight so far on the channel?
2: I think the highlights are like when you win, you know, trophies. We haven't won enough, you know, but like this year, winning the FA Cup after the season we had, it was such a poor season in the league. Yeah. And to win the FA Cup at the end of it, that was brilliant. You know, especially with what everybody's been going through with the COVID-19 and that. That was fantastic at the end of the season to lift a trophy. And the other FA Cups we've won have been brilliant. And then I think the other highlights have just been individual games. You know, I mean, when you win a North London derby, you know, when you beat the big boys, you know, your big rivals, you know, the Man United, your Chelsea's and that. Um, Those are the highlights. I've, I've had lots of highlights. I mean, you know, I've traveled around the world doing this. I've gone to like China and Australia, America, Singapore, you know every practically every place in europe russia you know it's been brilliant so all of those are my highlights you know i mean getting to meet so many different fans from all around the world and not just arsenal fans fans of other clubs really respect what we do you know i mean i'll go up and down the country in the premier league and you know you meet the fans of the other clubs and there's loads of banter but a lot of respect as well so it's great
4: and what are your plans then for the next few years are you going to expand the channel
2: yeah you know Our plans at the moment is um, we're looking to get a new... Because where we sort of have our operations is we've outgrown it a bit, and we want to do more programs and do more content. So we're looking at the moment to put together a package of loads of new programs, plus as well to um, move into a new sort of bigger studio where we can do more content from. So, yeah, it's more money. (laughs) Well, dip it in my pocket, but um, no, it's going to be worth it because it's just about year in, year out, what I'm trying to do is just like try and take it to the next level because basically we I started this thing with nothing it, I, I as I said I was just financing it off of my other job yeah. I've never taken a loan or anything like that it's just every time we make we try and put back money into it to try and enhance it and take it to the next level so it's all about growth as far as I'm concerned uh,
3: no it's, it's amazing it, it's it's mad to see that it's gone from pretty much you know as you said a one man one man army with a uh, loaned camera a loaned mic microphone to more than a million subscribers on YouTube and across hundreds of uh, loads of different other platforms as well almost just even checking on your YouTube channel almost a billion views which is absolutely yeah. insane, but most impressively is that you were able to convince your wife to let you do this and leave a full-time job, so that's the <laughs> inspiring message that we're left here with this evening, that listen, if you're going to go and try and convince the missus to, 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 to you know pack in the job, you, you better make it work and thankfully people <laughs> yeah. like uh, like Robbie have, but listen, uh, we've unfortunately got to move on and run out of time, but I, you know, the, the Arsenal channel
2: uh, is where can they find you on YouTube and online and everywhere else? Yeah, well listen, we're on the AFTV, we're on every single platform you can think of, we're, we're there, we're on you know twitter facebook instagram youtube tiktok we're everywhere so um yeah um come and join the banter you know i mean we have a lot of fun on the channel and as i said i um, going forth now into the next season obviously with a lot of the changes around football fans yeah. not being allowed in we're doing a lot of different things so look out for some of that perfect it brilliant. sounds brilliant thank
3: you thanks indeed robbie uh, appreciate you coming on on the way next control lead can a computer detect whether or not you're going to have a heart attack or have heart disease just by analysing your selfies. That's on the way next here on Room 104.
0: This is the best of Room 104. Phone and text lines are now closed. Any call or text you make will not count, but you may still be charged. FM 104.
3: Cormac and Sisha here on Room 104. If you want to listen back to any of the shows in full or you want to listen back to specific interviews like the guy we had on at 10 o'clock who, you know, sells pictures of his feet online on his only fans account you can do so on the room 104 podcast you can subscribe on spotify Acast, apple all of the usual places so you can go and do that and find everything you need there now it's time for room 104's control alt delete uh we're giving you a quick roundup of some of the weirder tech stories from all over the world tonight including uh, with a couple of strange ones but the first one we're going to kick off with is the fact that computers might be able to detect just by looking at your selfies, whether or not you have heart disease.
4: Oh, <gasps> That's brilliant. And terrifying. Yeah, brilliant and terrifying. But like, at least heart disease, if they catch it early, you can kind of reverse it in a way. You could reverse it with diet and exercise and so on.
3: Uh, you could, yeah. If they gave you a heads up, you might be able to kind of figure that out sooner rather than later. But um, the way they're doing this is they've detected a... Four, a few different ways that they're looking at your face and what it'll do is it'll take four of your selfies and these researchers in China over in Beijing in the National Centre for Cardiovascular Diseases over in Beijing said that this is cheap, it's uh, simple, it's effective as well. So if you were going in for a checkup, what they might do first from now on is get you to send in four selfies and from that, the algorithm that is on the camera and that will analyse your face will be looking for certain facial features, thinning or fraying uh, thinning or fraying hair, wrinkles, creases in your earlobe, yellow deposits around your eyelids, and white hazy rings in the outer edges of your cornea because apparently that signals that there's something wrong with your, with your heart and your cardiovascular system.
4: That's fascinating. Yes, but it's far, brilliant it? that they can pick that up on a picture
3: yeah they don't even need to be there they're just here looking at a few photos and you know your eyes are in bits your face is in bits you're a picture of ill health and they're like yeah you you might you might have a heart attack now in a few days so it's gonna save a lot of
4: lives isn't it it could do
3: it definitely could do and it could obviously speed up like if you had a hospital appointment and you sent back these photos and like this lads and bits you know they could speed up your admission and get you in quick and sort out and figure that out quickly
4: yeah, and I think, like, obviously if they're going to start with the kind of heart surely it's going to advance into other areas in time you'd hope yeah, yeah, maybe that they could scan from a picture what your health is like, really
3: uh, Yeah, you might have to send in some deliberate nudes to the hospital just so they can get a full 360 <laughs> degree and see there's no rashes, you'd just be like, oh I thought you were a doctor that's why I sent you a picture of myself, whoops my, my apologies, yeah, my bad
4: don't do that uh,
3: no don't but anyway they scanned they, they, they took a uh, thousand patients and 80% of the time it was uh, uh, they, they were correct 80% of the time and being able to detect heart disease from certain people and they were training the algorithm and you can do all the fancy machine learning things and be able to know based on four quick selfies that you take whether or not you've got heart disease
4: well that's pretty accurate now 80% I'd be happy enough with that
3: like send your pictures, happy days. Obviously, So are they
4: gonna start scanning Instagram and go, uh, sorry, you know, you're gonna get a private message like I did earlier on saying, Are you a mistress? It's gonna be uh sorry, um, have you checked your heart lately? You're in bits. You need to go to a doctor but, ASAP.
3: But that's that's the other thing of if it's used commercially. So if you have a private hospital that builds an algorithm that goes and looks at such your selfies and then is able to recommend certain treatments. On the one hand, m- yeah, maybe they'll save your life. On the other hand, it's kinda like is that too much information about you? Now the computers, just by looking at your face, can tell whether you've got a condition. Maybe someone doesn't know about it or, you know, people don't know about it and, and it knows about it and it starts advertising your weird things to you and starts kind of freaking you out that way.
4: Yeah, that could be quite dangerous and that's something that I would be a little bit reluctant to give out that information to somebody.
3: Yeah. But who knows? That could be down the line, but there you go. Uh, researchers over in China, their National Centre for Cardiovascular Diseases... With a high degree of certainty and a high degree of, uh, uh, pred- you know, accuracy, are able to determine whether or not you have a heart disease just by looking at your face, uh, and scanning pictures of your selfies, which is uh, which is amazing. Uh, TikTok, we've been talking about that a lot. I had to fire, um, seriously, off my TikTok management platform a little bit earlier on because she simply wasn't delivering the goods, unfortunately. Uh, anyway, just and uh, bigger news, you might have seen, um, Trump came out and said TikTok has to sell its stake or a large part of its American operations to an American company because the Americans fear that TikTok is a spying tool on American citizens. It might sound crazy, but the law is in China that if the Chinese government asks for data and information on any TikTok users, they have to comply. So that's the current law. Now, they try to get around it by putting servers in different parts of the world and different countries to kind of circumnavigate that. But anyway, America said Trump turned around and said they had to sell off a significant part of their American business to an American company to make sure everyone was safe, blah, blah, blah. Now, TikTok has officially sued the White House over that executive order that banned um, transactions with its parent company, ByteDance. So uh there you go. That's what's happening. A lot of people were afraid, especially a lot of the big TikTok creators and TikTok accounts were afraid that TikTok would be banned and they'd lose all of their new magic internet money that they didn't really have to work for. So uh, they're fighting back now and Trump has given them to the middle of September, which is very, very soon. So today's August August the 25th, um, the middle of September. I think they have to sell up to an American company, but they're fighting back now with, old, uh, with an old being sued. So we'll, well see. We'll maybe it's a good thing
4: that. thing that I escaped TikTok when I did and that you fired me when you did because maybe it's all coming to an end.
3: It might be coming to an end for the Americans, but like that means it'll probably get even bigger for people outside, of it, for people here in Ireland, around Europe, so. Australia. Rush no. Russian TikTok, that could be a bit of crack.
4: There could be a brand new platform, and I could be first on it, and then suddenly I explode, and then who's going to be laughing? Me, to the bank.
3: Good old internet bank. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just saying. Right. So we'll see how that one plays out. It'll be interesting. Uh, maybe TikTok was just for lockdown, and it's going to get you know sued out of existence. We don't know, but we'll keep you updated on that. Now, moving on, um, an AI pilot, an artificially intelligent powered no. pilot.
4: No, I'm not getting on board with this at all. I hate flying anyway. I am not having a computer robot flying my plane.
3: Well, thankfully, this wasn't flying its plane. This was a simulation in which... You know way they have those training simulator machines for pilots? You can go and get a flight simulator thing where you can sit in the whole simulation. It feels like you're in a plane. It moves as you move the joystick and stuff like that. They use it for training. Yeah, right. Anyway... They have those over in the uh, US Defence Forces for training fighter pilots. And turns out that they built an AI-powered pilot that would take on a real human fighter pilot in this simulation. And the artificially powered, the AI pilot defeated the human 5 nil in a virtual air-to-air combat in the first of its kind.
4: See, this is the terrifying thing, because you know um. they're starting off with this, and then they're going to go commercial flights, and suddenly... The robot decides that it's more intelligent than a human, and it crashes the plane. Well, think
3: about it. I would say ninety percent of a flight is done by a computer anyway.
4: Yeah, but there's someone observing it surely back at base. Do you know what I mean? It's not just well, I know the
3: pilot is there. You know what I mean?
4: Yeah, the pilot's there, but there's someone also watching back at base if anything's going wrong with the computer, and then they can alert the pilot or the co-pilot. Well. Like, yeah, no, no, but if think, it's just,
3: no, I don't think that happens in commercial no, flights.
4: No, I think it does. It's not it does. completely left to tech. You I bang in an
3: autopilot. You bang in an autopilot, and there, job done. And then, yeah, but who's you back, know you take it out back to base,
4: no, making sure that you're not near another plane and all that no, stuff?
3: No, but, well, there's not really until you come in to land, and then there's someone obviously giving you directions on where to go, the flight controllers. But like when the plane's flying, there's no one back looking at the. And like, a, well how many like a thousand planes making sure that they're all good they're on a particular flight path they're not flying away from each other no one's making sure the autopilot's working that's the computer the onboard computer's job is to make sure that it's working no one's the, no one's the back.
4: thoughts of this
3: the pilots there are meant to make sure everyone is working and there's no issues while they're flying We're just banging into autopilot they go for a little nap have a little hot chocolate come back and land the plane and then same all over again
4: I still want to know that they're there having their hot chocolate and they're they're on the plane I don't even care if they're asleep for the flight once mm, I know, yeah. I can wake them up and go, What is that? What's happening? Please take over. Do something. I don't want to yeah. know there's a robot there that can't speak to me that's trying to control this plane. What if the batteries die? No. Well, I, I, well, listen, I'd never get in a plane again. Honestly, well, I
3: well, this isn't a self-flying plane. What they're probably trying to look at is: Can they now, in the future, use unmanned fighter jets with AI? Uh, with AI controls, so that rather than sacrificing a human pilot in a war, they'll send in all these artificially intelligent pilots, and it looks like they're far more intelligent when it comes to -to air-to-air combat, air-to-air dogfights than human pilots are, because this guy didn't stand a chance when it's kind of like playing against a you know, a robot chess master, for want of a better word, who knows how to win every every single time, regardless of what this person threw at them. So obviously the US, there's un- unmanned drones that are flying around the place. Now They're unmanned, but they're controlled by someone back at base. The next step they're looking to do is, can they program the drone using artificial intelligence to go carry out a mission without needing any human input whatsoever, only the orders that it needs, and then it can figure out what it needs to do. And that's a step towards, in a way, if we're going to have to have wars, reducing human casualties, because now it's now it's pretty much Terminator 2 Judgment, judgment Day. It's artificial intelligence pilots. There'll be pilots up in the sky flying around the place, doing somersaults, doing flips. They're not even being manned by anyone.
4: No, I can't. I know this excites you because you're into... You're kind of into sci-fi a bit, aren't you? A little bit, You're a bit, bit yeah, of a nerd, yeah. yeah. bit of a nerd. Whereas I, I'm just not... No, I'm just scared of everything. And the thoughts of this terrifies me, so... I think we should stop while we're ahead.
3: Your pilot robot today on your Ryanair flight will be Declan, and then pilot robot will go fly the plane. No, isn't the majority of crashes are because of human error? You won't get that with a you won't get that with a, a robot, artificial intelligent robot.
4: Robots and sorry, once robots are flying planes and are in hospitals doing surgery on me, yep, that's it. I am done
3: gotta change with the times man you'll be flown you'll be emergency airlifted by an ai powered helicopter and then an ai surgeon will come on a robo surgeon will come on and fix you up
4: and you'll be golden you'll be happy days that gives me anxiety so what is there going to be no room for pilots and doctors now
3: nope sorry about that lads you thought it was just you know maybe lower skilled people who do repetitive kind of tasks that's getting not automated now we have ai pilots ai doctors the whole lot
4: that's sad isn't it
3: uh, yeah, so they'll have to extend the COVID out for the rest of our lives because 'cause there'll be no jobs.
4: God they will actually, won't they?
3: Yeah.
4: I think people'll be pretty happy. I mean, I think it's pretty decent pay, isn't it?
3: <laughs> for doing nothing. Yeah. Three fifty a week? I think that's no problem at all. Yeah. yeah. Set, up set up my OnlyFans, set up YouTube, job
4: done. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. Um Jesus.
3: so that's that. If you wanna have um if you wanna have a look at that a little bit more, it was called the uh, alpha dogfight. So it's a very interesting one that they're doing. The alpha dogfight that the US military are are, uh, doing. Google it. Alpha dogfight trials and it's been done by DARPA which are the crowd that I think invented the internet back in the day. Um, Okay, uh, more more bad news. More crazy news for 2020. Turns out scientists have revealed that the Earth is moving through radioactive debris of exploded stars.
4: Okay, now explain this to me.
3: Uh... In the universe, stars could explode when they come to the end of their life cycle. They're born out of the dust and then like our star is going to, our sun is going to eventually get really, really big, probably engulf the Earth when it expands and then it's going to collapse in on itself and then it will explode. And then that's the death of that star. Turns out that our Earth and all of our planets in our galaxy have been floating through the radioactive debris from a load of exploded stars from years ago. So we're being showered with uh, an, uh, form of um, iron 60 they called it, which is a type of molecule or type of radioactive it's a radioactive element that's all over, all, just bathing in us right now, so we're, we're, the earth is floating through big clouds of radioactive waste that have been released from stars that died back in the day, so their gas is still hanging around, and it turns out that we're still getting uh, still getting bombarded with a little bit of radioactive waste
4: Okay so is this gonna this kill has us been happening
3: uh, probably not this has been happening for the last thirty three thousand years so I suppose we've been living with it for long enough it's just we just suddenly realized that oh we had a neighbor or we had a star years ago that blew up and we're still wading through its uh, space dust which happens to be radioactive.
4: okay it doesn't sound healthy but I guess you know <laughs> once it's not another threat on us we're doing okay I mean the pandemic itself is enough to keep us going isn't it?
3: Yeah, yeah, imagine that. It's a pandemic. Oh, and by the way, you've got radioactive stardust falling down from the skies now, so <laughs> sorry about that. Now, the only other good thing is the, the Earth's magnetic sphere will take most of that stuff away, hence why we get a lot of the northern lights because all of those molecules are sent up to the top, the North Pole, and that gives us that lovely greeny, bluey kind of night lights. But um, yeah, that's just a new discovery that they've made and it looks like we have been bombarded by them for the last uh, 33,000 years. Okay. Yeah.
4: Well, look, I look, I I don't mind hearing about that once it's not going to damage us. I can only take enough stress for
3: I know a lifetime for twenty twenty. It. It's been yeah. it's been pretty stressful. You know, I was chatting to to herself downstairs a little bit earlier on, and she was like, "You know, the way today was absolutely manky. It's not too bad now, but today was just miserable weather-wise." Yeah. That you know, since lockdown, we've pretty much gone from winter, and now it's winter again.
4: Pretty much, yeah.
3: September is technically, well, August is technically autumn anyway, depending on which calendar you use. So we've kind of gone from, you know, winterish manky weather, April, May, June, July, August is done, and now we're back into kind of more manky weather. So that's fun.
4: It is kind of bizarre. Yeah, let's keep it positive. Yeah. (laughs) Look, it's my birthday soon. That's positive. That's always a good thing.
3: Oh, no, we're definitely not going to celebrate that birthday at all. We're going to make the biggest deal of it by not making uh, a deal of it. Listen, final story quickly. Bad news for animal lovers. Bad news for, I don't want to say vegans. Do vegans really care about animals? I suppose you do. Turns out that bacteria screams when it dies. What? Yeah. Bacteria? Scientists have said that bacteria scream as they die, giving off chemical alarms that warn their brethren of the da- the immediate danger in their surroundings.
4: Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare's short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.
1: This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love.
0: For Memorial Day, get 15% off your borough purchase at borough.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at borough.com slash acast. Uh,
4: should I feel sorry for them or
3: next time you're next time you're putting some hand sanitizer on, right? just listen very closely and you can hear the coronavirus crying itself to sleep for the last time.
4: That's awful. That makes me yeah. so sad. You're mm.
3: murdering millions. You're committing genocide on your hands, basically, and anytime you're wiping down the counter. <laughs> it, it's screaming in a very science bacteria way. So if something like E. coli, which is very bad for you to get, that you need to disinfect a lot of things, um, it'll detect the danger that antibiotics present to us. So if you're cleaning things up, and, you know, you're wiping it down with an antibiotic, the cells will realize that they're dying and they will send a necro signal to their fellow cells that they're dying. And what they do is when they get this signal, this is cellular, cellular kind of scream as they're dying and as they're letting out their last cellular breaths, it's one of the ways in which it signals the other cells around them to mutate and become resistant to antibiotics.
4: Oh, my God.
3: So as you're murdering the cells, the billions of cells that you need to murder, by the way, it is signaling to all of the other cells around it that you might have missed that it's dying, how it's dying, and that you need to mutate to try and survive.
4: That's kind of tragic, isn't it? I feel sorry for all these um, horrible diseases now. They're people too. What do you think of <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, yeah. you know? All, they have all life is
3: created equal, and cells and viruses, which are you know living organisms in many ways, shapes, and forms, deserve to survive. So, this was research that was done over in the University of Texas, um, and they, they were just looking at how cells evolve and die. and They said they send out this signal, this kind of last ditch effort, and the dying cells help E. coli and other bacteria evolve and mutate, and they help them survive in their last gasp on Earth.
4: Now I'm not gonna think of anything else when I'm washing my hands bar screaming from my hands. <laughs> don't do it. Yeah. Why is it why do you hate me? But yeah, that's what happens. That's with that. weird. That's actually a, a mind F. Mm, a little
3: to bit, isn't Do you even think it?
4: about that? Where like they're screaming. What? They're that's just, so they're weird. Just, they're
3: just they're just trying to live their lives. They're just trying to live their bacteria laden, virus stricken lives, and we're just there trying to murder them and we don't care.
4: Yeah. Well, look, it's got to be done,
3: doesn't it? Oh just got to be it done. Has to be anyway. Done.
4: That was interesting.
3: That has been the. Um, oh yeah, there's also been other reports in Hong Kong and in Europe of people who have been reinfected with the coronavirus. You've probably seen it all day today. Only good news for that is that the symptoms appear to be less severe. So when people say there's no immunity, there, there is there's some immunity um, that is going around amongst people with that. So um, th- it is not doom and gloom, and you know there is there is hope. There's hope. Okay, we'll leave you with that one. Any other stories that we missed, you can give us a shout, let us know, drop us a WhatsApp. Oh, it's 104
0: This is the best of room 104. Phone and text lines are now closed. Any call or text you make will not count, but you may still be charged. FM 104.
3: It's room 104. It's Cormac Concierge here. Now, we all like to think that we, you know, we're making decisions about maybe buying things or selecting something from a shop or a supermarket and that it's all a conscious informed logical decision where we have nothing but free will and we're making the immediate decisions but certain research has come out over the last number of weeks that would show that your brain can tell and can inform the decision you're going to make up to 10 11 seconds before you've actually made it people have been using mris and looking at your brain and your brain is using unconscious non-conscious methods and patterns that can tell people the decision you're going to make before you even realize that you're going to make it. Mad stuff. And uh, to talk a little bit more about that this evening, someone who is uh, an expert in this area, he's authored a book called Unconscious Branding. He looks at how unconscious behaviorism, neurobiology, evolutionary psychology, how does that all apply to our day-to-day lives, to consumerism, to business? Uh, Welcome to the show, Mr. Douglas van Praetzer. How are you? I'm
5: doing well. Thanks for having me
3: yeah no worries at all I'm looking at this study that has come out that you've been writing about recently talking about how the brain I should say imaging or studying of different parts of the brain and different activity in the brain can maybe predict a decision you're going to make down the line can you explain uh, in maybe as simplest way as possible what exactly was that study and what was it trying to explore?
5: So I wrote about the study a couple of weeks ago. It was actually done in 2019, I believe, by some researchers at the University of South Wales in Sydney. And it was a, it was a, a very simple experiment. You know, participants were given the opportunity to imagine one of two mental images. You know, one was a, a red circular object with horizontal stripes. Second was a uh, green uh, circular objects with vertical stripes. And they were just simply asked to, to choose one to think about. And while they were doing this experiment, they were hooked up to an fMRI machine. So functional magnetic resonance imagery measures blood flow changes. So you can see the activation of the parts of the brain in real time. What the participants found, uh, what the researchers found observing the participants, was they were able to predict the decisions up to 11 seconds in advance. And not only were they able to predict those decisions, they were able to predict the strength of the, the image, you know, that the vividness in their mind as corroborated by self-report. So, uh, you know, it's a very interesting experiment that shows that non-conscious activity actually precedes personal choice and it begs the question do we have free will
4: and are some people more likely to overthink things without realizing it than others
5: if you think about you know some of the implications people particularly those who suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder you know to similar scenario where they don't Seem to control the content or the strength of the images, they simply appear in their minds. So certainly, there could be some people that are more prone to this. And you know, if you think about it, it's sort of a feed-forward loop. The more you think about these things, the more you have these non-conscious hallucinations that are creating those things that you're thinking about. So it's a circular kind of effect. But uh but yeah, certainly some people may be more prone to these intrusive thoughts, but I think it shows really that there's a universal mechanism for all humans that, you know, we could be biased by these preconscious unconscious activities up, uh, you know, before before we actually make the choice. So, you know, it's a tip of the iceberg, but it certainly points to the need for more research in this in this area.
3: You mentioned obviously there about Free will, but this research kind of points to the fact that your maybe your past to a certain extent and your environment and what you've been exposed to influences your immediate decisions maybe more than we realize.
5: Exactly. You know, if you understand the way, you know, the mind works, and that's sort of the conundrum in neuroscience and really kind of understanding this this question of how um, free our will is. In fact, it seems like everything in our lives are influenced by preceding experiences, thoughts. And if you look at the you know the brain itself there doesn't seem to be any part of the brain that's actually free we're always responding you know downstream to to things that we don't consciously control the, the example is just decision making in general uh you know we make decisions based on our emotions you know we used to think that we were you know thinking beings that feel we're really feeling creatures that think and when it comes to decision making in general the Impetus for any decision requires access to our emotions, and we don't control our emotions. So therein lies the rub. If the ultimate decision that we make is reliant on our feelings and feelings are simply non-conscious processes that emerge into consciousness, then we're really reacting, you know downstream to something that we don't control. Now it begs the question, do we have the right to, to veto? and challenge the impulses that drive our behavior. Well, therein lies the, the circular nature of consciousness and unconsciousness, feelings and th- and thought. You know, it's a circular loop. Feelings create thoughts. Thoughts create more feelings. Ultimately, there's a decision that's being made. But the ultimate arbiter of our decisions is our feelings. And feelings are like the weather you don't control the weather, but you can react to it and you can predict it, and and that's the point.
4: If you're talking about feelings and kind of um, acting on your emotion, would you say women would be more susceptible than men?
5: Well, you know, it, it certainly would, would feel that way, but this is uh, this is universal. So this is regardless of demographic or gender culture, age, uh, it's a human insight, but you could, you know, there's certainly um, cultural differences, you know, in, in, in genders, but but decision-making is, is universal, so we all rely on emotions, and the thing about emotions are they're not always conscious, so, um, you know, you could be influenced by an emotion that doesn't even reach consciousness, but it's driving your ultimate decision. You know, to, to tell you a, a story uh, from a guy named Joseph Ledoux at New York University, he's a Neuroscientist that is at the forefront of understanding emotions and you know you could be out to lunch one day and you're you know you're having you're at an italian restaurant and you're having a little bit biscotti and some espresso and you get into an argument with a friend of yours and you, you both leave in a huff and you, you're, you're you vow never to talk to that person again and while you were sitting at that restaurant there was a red and white checkered tablecloth and you had this experience of having an angry argument with your friend and the very next day you meet a stranger on the street and he's got a red and white checkered tie and you have to develop a gut feeling that, and you're like, <laughs> well, what's happening here? You've projected something that you process unconsciously from one environment to another. And, you know, that's the way our minds work. You know, we're, we're making these decisions based on emotional impressions that we don't always consciously
3: have awareness of it also i suppose raises the importance i imagine of obviously what you're feeding yourself in on a a daily basis from a psychological point of view so everything from your environment to might even be people you're surrounding yourself with as you're saying all are having a conscious and an unconscious impact on you so i mean you're obviously looking at from a A business perspective, I'd imagine there is so much more to, you know, you talk about unconscious branding to to just the message when it comes to products. I think maybe Apple have nailed it when it comes to this. They've looked at absolutely every single aspect and experience that you're having because they know that there's so much more than maybe just price or your product or your positioning when it comes to people's decisions and their unconscious behavior.
5: It really comes down to, um, you know, you are the sum, you know, your brand is the sum total of your emotional impressions both conscious and unconscious. And every time you have an interaction with your brand, whether you remember it or not, it's going to affect how you feel about purchasing that product, and I think Apple has done an amazing job not only of creating a brand that people like, but creating a product that has, you know, benefited people's lives, you know, b- by ease of use and intuitive design, and creating a superior product. So, in many cases, one of the best things you could do is build a better mousetrap and improve people's lives because it's not just about. You know, the ads that you put out there, It's the the sum total of your experiences, which is why, you know, certain companies like the phone company or the cable company have such negative baggage because, you know, the sum total of your experience includes a lot of annoying experiences from not getting your your channels to your phone calls to, uh, you you know, um, marketing techniques that, you know, treat loyal customers not as well as new customers you know so uh it, it really is everything that a marketer does but more importantly it's, it's it's all these impressions that you have with the brand and historically that's been influenced a lot by advertising but that's changing especially you know with the advent of digital media to use the example uh you know that i mentioned with the story about you know having an argument with your friend there was a two research, there was a research study done by two universities in Canada and Toronto and they paired participants with brands they've never seen or experienced in the past and they paired these brands with images positive, negative and neutral such that they couldn't consciously recollect which ones of these new brands were connected to which images, but they developed a preferences a preference for the ones that they were positively emotionally conditioned. And in subsequent research, they showed these same participants facts to say that you're making the wrong choice. This is an inferior product. And they still chose the one brands that they had been positively emotionally conditioned. And they called it the, mm. I like it and I don't know why effect. And, you know, that's what's happening right now in the marketplace is you're creating the, I don't like it and I don't know why effect. If, if you're constantly badgering people with interruptive ads and digital media or experience that foist your message upon people that are an annoyance, and uh you know something that doesn't make their life easier makes it more difficult those neurological somatic emotional tags are going to be put in their body and they're going to be rem- remembered at the time that they need to make the purchase so it is kind of a uh Important point that marketers need to really focus on improving lives now, and not just uh, improving ads.
3: It's, it's actually funny you mention that, because yeah, so many ads could be irrelevant and annoying and frustrating that like, you're like, lads, come on, this can't be working. But uh, we we must move on. If you're interested in learning more about these unconscious processes that affect our, affect our decisions on a daily basis, do check out Douglas's book, Unconscious Branding: How Neuroscience Can Empower and Inspire marketing. But listen, Ed Douglas, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks a million for giving up your time today and we will chat you again soon.
0: My pleasure. Thanks for having me. This is the best of Room 104. Phone and text lines are now closed. Any call or text you make will not count, but you may still be charged. FM 104. Four.
3: It's Room 104. It's Cormac and Saoirse. Uh, let us know, ideally, if you could choose any age to live to. Like, how old would you like to live to on this planet? Obviously, of course, we don't want to be living in COVID-19 lockdown situations for hundreds and hundreds of years. That'd be ridiculous. But the ideal age you would love to live to, let us know. 0876797104 because turns out that researchers may have found the upper limit when it comes to what age we're actually able to get that as human beings, what the the body is able to get us to uh, and why and joining us now is somebody who conducted that research a little bit, well recently enough He is a professor in the Department of Econometrics at Tilburg University. They did a huge amount of data trying to figure out just how old can you expect to get to or the human body can expect to get to based on loads of different research. Tell us more about it now. Professor John Einmal, how are you, sir? Uh, I'm fine, thank you. Good evening.
4: So, tell us about our lifespan. It has obviously increased in the last kind of 10-15 years. I think I have
6: to to contradict you. The lifespan, or at least the maximum lifespan, has not increased the last 30 years. That's actually the research uh, we did. So there are two things we can uh, consider. So the the, the age at which you die, I call that the lifespan. And the average lifespan of people uh, certainly has increased the last century and also the last uh, 30 years or so. But we are looking at the maximal age, so the maximal lifespan, how old can you get and we looked at three questions uh, one question, uh, the first question is, is there a limit to the lifespan or can we always get a little bit older not an individual person but maybe the, the, the humanity and we found that uh, and that, that that's controversial uh, uh, demographers, different demographers have different opinions on that but we found that there is indeed a limit to the human lifespan so it means that we cannot always get one year older if you very old we cannot get one year one year older and then the next question we asked is does this maximum does it increase over time and we have data we have looked at uh, data from 1986 through 2015 so that's the age of death of these people and we found that it uh, it kind of oscillates a little bit up and down, but basically that there is no trend. So the maximum lifespan is not increasing and it's also not decreasing, of course. And then a final question, that's what people really want to know maybe, and it's the most difficult question, is how, how old can you uh, become then? And what we found there is... The average maximum over these 30 years we uh, we looked at is 115.7 for women and 114.1 for men. And we can also accommodate people who live up to, say, 125 years. So there is no contradiction with the oldest people on Earth. But we say that you cannot become 250 or 500 or 1,000 or something
3: like that. Yeah, it would be interesting to even... <laughs> to be alive 200 or 250 years. So are, are, do you think then that we we've pretty much reached the upper limit of the human lifespan.
6: It looks like given the, the conditions we have nowadays it seems that we cannot get uh, older than this, say 115 up to 125 but it cannot be like uh, like uh, 1000 or something like that. We look at the data from the past so we can also look only look at people who have died already now.
4: And what gives people that really long lifespan, those very few people that get to live till they're 115 or 120?
6: Yeah, I actually don't know in individual people have uh, stories about that so when you're 115 or so or 116 or 117 then if you're still in good shape then then radio and tv they uh, they ask you questions and it's uh, it seems that different people have uh, different answers to that in contradiction with what you would guess sometimes they say i drink uh, a glass of wine every day or something like
3: that. genetics and a little bit of luck and as your mm. granny might say over here it was just a glass of guinness every day that helped her uh, go on with that so you know. know. you you mentioned obviously you're looking at past data and that you obviously can't predict going into the future if there is certain advances because i know there's a lot of people who are trying to uh, expand the age and expand the abilities and limits of the human mind but do you think yourself like over the next 50 to 100 years that we could see life expectancies jumping even to 130 140 150 years of age Uh,
6: honestly i don't know this this is only guessing if you look at uh, advances we have made in uh, in IT with computers and so on, the last 50 years, then it seems that everything is possible. But but with medical advances, of course, there are uh, there are big big big. Uh, there is big progress, but uh, I don't know if. There-
0: this is the best of Room 104. Phone and text lines are now closed. Any call or text you make will not count, but you may still be charged. FM 104.